Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Pickles and Vodka, the unfiltered mental health podcast dedicated to the things nobody wants to talk about in real life. My name's Christina, your host, and as of today, I am happy to say that I only have one job uh, for the last, I want to say, five weeks. I've been working two jobs, and I have not had a single day off, which has been absolutely crazy, but also has gone by pretty fast, so that's good. So... I have been working at the same job for six and a half years, and um, it's been the only constant in my life for that entire time. I got hired when I was 20, and um, I've been through two relationships while I was working there. I've lived in three different states, five different houses, bought like five vehicles, six vehicles, um, crashed one of them, got my cat... Um, went to college twice and graduated. And this whole time I have been working for this company. And um, today was my last day. And honestly, I'm, I'm, I don't really know how to feel. Like, obviously, I'm relieved uh, to be moving on to bigger and better things. I really love my new job and I'm excited for the next chapter of my life. But um, I guess I've kind of been brushing off this last shift because I'm, I'm focusing on all the the things that are to come and kind of telling myself, oh, it doesn't matter. Like, you don't need to process this because you, this is what you've been wanting for months is to leave this job. So good rents, leave it in the past. But um, I don't know, this, this past week, not only have I been depressed and stressed and anxious, but... I've been self-sabotaging a lot in different ways, and it's hard to find a reason because on paper, my life is finally looking better than it has been since I moved here to Seattle. Things are going pretty well, but I find myself slipping back into this funk, and I think the reason why is because I'm finally leaving this familiar environment where I've gotten comfortable and it's scary because the possibility for failure now is really high. Like, even though this job wasn't my dream job, um, it was comfortable and I knew what to expect and I was good at it. And so now that I have this new job and I'm starting a new chapter, it's like, I don't know what's going to happen and it's scary. And how do I respond to the unknown is by self-sabotaging because when I self-sabotage, it puts me in the familiar space of pain and self-hate and depression, you know, all that fun stuff. Um, It's like I was talking to my therapist about, I I kind of thrive in chaos uh, because that's how I grew up. So I tend to create chaos when there is none in my life. And so I think that's what's happening now. I think um, I just need to, well, process it, which I kind of am doing now, but I don't know. I think I just need to move into this next chapter and not be afraid of it, but let myself be excited. Let myself, you know, stop feeling guilty for having some time off and just let myself feel it out and see what happens because it's okay not to know. It's okay for the future to be uncertain. I just need to keep telling myself that. All right, with all that said, I'm going to jump straight into my interview with Sabrina. I think you guys are really going to enjoy it. 
As always, if you have any thoughts about the episode or you want to be a guest or just want to say hi, you can DM me at any of my social media accounts or send me an old-fashioned email at picklesandvodkapodcast at gmail.com. I hope you guys have a wonderful Monday and enjoy. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hello. I'm glad you can hear me. Perfect. Yeah, I can hear you perfect, too. The volume was so high on my computer, I, like, jumped <laughs> when it started doing that obnoxious, like, ringtone thing. So I'm wide awake now. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm, like, at my cabin because I didn't want any, like, noise. You have a cabin? Like, yeah, we do. Um, it's, like, half of our breakers, like, didn't work. Our Wi-Fi wasn't working. It's, like, I'm using a lamp. And my mobile hotspot. Nice. Well, in that case, you sound amazing. Yeah. (laughs) I'm really impressed. I was like, oh no, the time's ticking. Like, gotta figure this out. Oh, it's like so cold. Oh my god, how cold? Forty degrees here. Like, not inside, but it was like forty degrees today. I'm, I'm not ready to live in Minnesota. (laughs) Okay, I was gonna ask where you lived. Yeah, that place gets cold. Yeah, California. spoiled me so much i realized i don't know a ton about you like you were one of my first friends on peach i think Mm -hmm. just because of your username i was like oh my god i need to be friends with this person and like obviously we've kept in touch over the months like you've sent me a postcard and everything and i was like i don't really know that much (laughs) where to start i don't know um what's your name and how old are you I'm Sabrina. I am 23 years old. Oh, you're such a baby. Yeah, I just turned 23 in August. <gasps> Happy birthday. Thank you. What did you do? Um, I bought a pair of docks. Like, that was it. I Fuck didn't have yeah. any friends to hang out with. <laughs> Honestly, I think birthdays kind of suck. Yeah, um, I'm over them. I, I say that, but then I'm also that annoying person who asks people, so what did you do? But I hate it when people do that to me. I, like, got really into celebrating my half birthday in California because, like, my friends were together during the school year. So it was, like, February 16th. Let's get together. Nice. So are you from California originally? No, I'm from Minnesota. I was, like, born and raised in... Oh, so you've come full circle. Yeah, full circle. How do you feel about that? Um, I do not really like it here i don't know i'm making it work it's a small town i live in a like a town of five thousand, so tiny i don't know i'm working on my next moves i would like like to move back to california but i don't know if that's gonna happen so i might just like move to the cities i'm thinking about going back to school yeah yeah so um how old were you when you left minnesota the first time I was a 19 years old. Okay, and what led up to that? It's like me moving. Like, why did I move out there? Yeah. Like, just tell um, me your life story, basically. Okay, cool. I was born in this small town that I, like, lived in for 19 years. And then, like, went to school, was a pretty average child. My parents got divorced when I was in fifth grade and I was like shit hit the fan can I swear on this oh yeah (laughs) you can say whatever you want on this um and that was like the start of like 
everything not going right in my life, which was difficult. And I wanted to escape my whole life after that, just like get out of this town and like start a new identity. Um, and then when I was like in middle school, I mean, like a gender identity stuff started to happen. I was like, wait, I am not a boy. Like I need to transition, like learned about that, but it's like a small, small conservative area. So I was like, yeah. I'm going to move to California and start a brand new life. And like, I ended up doing that. That takes a lot of guts. Yeah. My sister like moved there. She's older than I am. Okay. So I, I guess I'm moving to California with my sister. That's really great that you had her yeah. to do that with. And like, I didn't live with her, but we were a couple hours oh, nice. apart. Yeah, you had someone there already that yeah. you weren't like totally in a new part of the country by yourself. Mm-hmm. You said you were 15 when all that shit started hitting the fan. Was there like a particular trigger? You said your parents got divorced around the same time or was it just? Um, they were like divorced earlier. And then like my dad wasn't wasn't very nice and just like I didn't want to like raise a I was like visibly queer at the time that like this happened in like middle school and high school like everyone knew that I was queer and like I didn't really hide it but I didn't try to like flaunt it but like people knew um and that was always a source of tension and like my father remarried to someone and just like started a brand new life how Um, how did you feel about that that was not fun that was like okay wow just ignoring your two kids to marry a young like ex-model classic white man like how much older than you guys was she i'm just curious um she was like 10 years younger than my father i like haven't done that it's like it wasn't like super inappropriate it wasn't like she was like five years older than us still like just wanting to parade around like a little trophy wife now how was your relationship with your dad growing up it was like never good He's always, like, very distant. From just you or from everyone in general? From everyone. And it was, like, he would work and he would come home and he would just, like, watch TV and drink. And that was about it. And he would play golf all the time. I think, like, yeah, he was playing golf, like, five days a week. Um, And just, like... A finance bro, but, like, not a bro. Like, a finance dad. A finance dad. (laughs) Very worried about money. And he'll, like, be like, oh, no, we don't have any money. Yet he drives a Cadillac. And it's like, I'm not stupid, father. (laughs) Like, I know what's up. Oh, damn. Um, It sounds like he was dealing with a lot of shit himself in his own way. Yeah. But, like, I don't know. Not a good, like, cheated on my mom. Like, I recently learned that. So I was like, okay, no respect. Like, I'm not going to rekindle whatever we had. I can't even imagine, like, learning that about a parent. Mm -hmm. Like, all the double standards and just that icky feeling you get. Yeah, it was not. Like, we suspected it. Uh But she was like, I don't know. I'm not going to tell y'all. And then she event, like, my mom eventually did. And we're like, not surprising in the least fit. Are you closer to your mom then? 
yeah, like I'm close. I'm like living with my mom right now, which is not my ideal situation, but it's something. Like after I got out of treatment this year, I was like, I need stability that I do not have in California. So before, I I do want to talk about your treatment and everything. There's so much to cover. Um, Yeah, no, there's so much. (laughs) I guess going back to your gender identity, how old were you when you first started acknowledging that about yourself? I was like 15 and 16, like in that area. And I like kept it a secret and like I didn't, I didn't talk about it. I didn't have resources at all. I was going to ask, like, were you educated on that kind of thing? Like, did you know that it was a thing or did you feel different, but you didn't know why? I, like, always had felt different my whole entire life. And then I learned that I was, like, intersex a couple years ago. And I was like, well, that explains a lot of it. Can you describe intersex for people who might not know? Intersex is a whole umbrella term for, like, developmental sexual disorders. So it's, like physically different than like what is expected like outside of the gender binary in like terms of like hormones a bit and like genitals so it's like a wide there's so many intersex conditions that like fall under that umbrella so it's not like not quite male not quite female yeah like I did not grow up super educated about all this Mm -hmm. and so I know intersex is something that's not talked about a ton, even today. You know, luckily our generation has been more educated on, you know, gender, but you don't hear intersex being thrown around a lot. No, like it's not thrown out a lot. And like a lot of it is like gatekept by medical professions. Like and my parents had, they say they had no clue, but it's just like doctors are like, oh, we'll just like make this like a normal child and like we won't tell anyone what's up and like they don't want to disrupt anything and so they were like oh no like this is normal we just like have to perform surgery on your child's genitals but like that'll be like a perfectly normal child just kind of sweep it under the rug yeah is that what you mean by that term gate kept yeah like kind of could you elaborate on that a little more i'm sorry Um, i'm just really curious like a lot i know a lot of doctors will just like not even acknowledge it or write like other diagnoses diagnoses on the ch- like people's medical charts um and like I've talked to now that I'm like an adult I've been talking to doctors about like getting my like genes care typed and I have not find found like anyone willing to sign off on that what is that process like I don't really know. It's like 23 of me, except a whole different level. And like they more science involved than like the gender that. version. Yeah, okay. just like seeing what like your chromosomal makeup is. That's so cool. More so. I didn't even know that was possible. Specific. Yeah. But no one wants like, to do it for you. Yeah, I'm sure I can find like a specialist, but I don't really want to pay yeah. <laughs> out of pocket. I feel like that'd that be really expensive. Mm-hmm. Well, how much of this does your mom know? She's like educated herself now that I was like, hey, um, this was not cool. Um, and I'm like tried to educate her. But usually she's like, I just listened to the doctors and the guy. Mm-hmm. I just did what the doctors told me to do. Well, the doctors are part of the problem. 
Yeah, and it's like, well, you should like take some personal responsibility for this yeah. once in a while. So you're you've been trying to educate her over the years, mm-hmm. and ha- has that been the attitude of most people from your hometown? Pretty open to education. I don't know. I try to keep a low profile. Like I try not to do it, but like I went back to the eye doctor that I saw throughout my life, and I was just like, hey, I changed my name to Sabrina now. And like no one asks any questions. Like everyone uses the right pronouns. It's like I feel like for this like small rinky dink town, people are accepting. But I know like my county voted like for Trump by like seventy percent. <laughs> so it's just like not the best. I but that's know. I mean, kudos to the people in your town at least for making an effort. Like I Yeah. I've lived in liberal cities and had friends who changed their names and they still, you know, got clapped back for that. So Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. Like I have a lot of passing privilege and like that definitely plays a role into it as well. Like I pass well. People mm-hmm. don't immediately clock me as trans. Like they most don't I would say so when you moved to California what was that like it was wild oh my gosh it was I like wanted to come out when I was there but like so I moved and I went to college there I started going to university okay is this after you graduated high school yeah after I graduated high school okay and you hadn't come out yet as trans or or intersex or whatever I had it I don't come out as trans. And, okay. like, I'm still not out as in. I'll, like, talk to some friends about that, but I don't, try not to, like, okay. size that too much because it's more of, like, a health background than, like, an identity. Right. Um, and, like, I wasn't out, but I, like, went to orientation, and one day, like, my leader took me aside, and they're like, um, what pronouns, like, do you use? Like, we don't know. Like, people knew, and I was like, oh. I guess this is it. Like, I guess this is... <laughs> no pressure, but you need yeah. to decide right now. And I, like, talked to her, and she was, like, so, like, so chill and supportive. I was actually, like, looking at pictures from, like, my first year, and she was, like, in so many of them, and that was, like, a great start. And I was, like, okay, I guess I can come out and, like, socially transition more so, and, okay, change my name, and I started going by feminine pronouns and like went well wow that's such a dramatically different experience yeah than and, what you were used to and like it was good but like I didn't start on hormones until like a year and a half after that um so I've been living in California and just like living as a woman but not like receiving estrogen yet and then that really like was the next step when I finally got to a doctor and started to take um, hormone therapy now as a trans person like first your first step is obviously you know thinking about you, this identity and how you you know accepting it for yourself and then telling people about it and you know it's a huge process you know going by different pronouns and presenting differently and all that I can imagine that it takes a long time to get up build yourself up to the hormones Were, like did you have to think about that or was it always um, something you wanted to do it was always something I, like, wanted to do, but I was, like, nervous and quite apprehensive to do it. And I was, like, overwhelmed at the whole process of it. 
What What's the process like? Like, how long does it um, usually... Like, to walk us through from, like, the initial meeting to actually getting them. So, what I did, I was, like, seeing a therapist at the time, and I had, like, a general practitioner doctor. And, like, one day, I, like, got the nerves to call up and, like, make an appointment with this doctor who, like, gives hormones. And she's, like, a general practitioner. She's not some, like, special doctor, but, like, I knew that she was the only one in the area. And I, like needed a referral to get to her so I like went to my normal doctor and we talked about my identity and he had seen me for a while at that point and had no problem getting me linked into that system and then it was like a couple weeks wait I think it was maybe a month out and I like went and I saw this doctor and we talked about like what happens on hormones so it's kind of an informed consent model which is like you don't need to go through like testing you don't need to have a therapist to sign off but like I did need a referral to get to that clinic and so after you were referred you had to wait a month to see the doctor yeah to okay. see her and we just like talked about hormones and I was just like do you like realize like what this is gonna do I like signed some paperwork and I picked my prescriptions up at like CVS later that, that day oh my god that's amazing yeah and I had like had done blood work earlier a couple months ago okay. so she was like you're like fine you're young I'm sure like this isn't gonna kill you like you probably don't have anything happening so like, I didn't even have to take blood work to get it wow. I just got a prescription that day and she's like if anything's weird in your blood work in two months then like we can have a conversation about that but that never happened I guess I think that the, the process is sometimes more difficult when you're young because, I don't know, you're still developing. I think if I was, like, a teenager getting it, there would be a lot more loops to jump through um, in terms of like, getting my parents to sign off on right. it. That's and what I mean, to... by the way. Not yeah. not more difficult physiologically, but more difficult, mm-hmm. like, societally. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, like, how long does it take to start doing its thing? And, like, what are the signs? Like, within a month. I don't know. The first, like, week that I took it, the first month, I was so underwhelmed. I was like, this is, like, the one thing I've been hyped on for six years at this point, maybe. And, like, nothing happens overnight. Like, nothing. And I was like, oh, wow. You just, like, got to let it run. It's, like, dose. It's just, like, got to do it and try to think about other things and like looking for body changes but like my skin got softer um I didn't think about that part yeah my skin got softer I like started developing breasts what was that like it was weird at first like I was excited for it but I was like come on like grow grow." (laughs) I was just like look in the mirror and be like is there anything else come on Um, girls let's go Let's go. Um, <laughs> Sorry if I'm asking a lot of no, like, personal like, questions. I'm just legitimately curious. I'm probably like revealing my ignorance a lot. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of people don't really know what goes into it. No. And I like vividly remember like walking down a long stair set. And I was like, okay, you need to buy a bra now. <laughs> <laughs> something's up there like this is the time to buy a bra um they're like flapping you in the face (laughs) yeah no I like don't have that much I don't have that much to chest but it was like 
there was some movement. And I was like, okay, this is doing something. This is working. So how long have you been on hormones now? I've been on hormones for like two and a half years now, I would say. That was another question I have. Is it reversible? Like, do people ever stop taking them or reduce their dosage? Or is it something you're going to have to take like forever? So trans women, like, you have to take estrogen forever. Otherwise, like your testosterone can come back. And like if you've had any type of like gender confirming surgery for trans women, like your body won't produce testosterone anymore. And if you just stop taking estrogen, that can be super bad to not have any sex hormone in your body. And you can like can lead to osteoporosis and depression. It's like you kind of have to commit to it. If you like have um, any type of like gender confirming surgeries. But, like, if I stop taking hormones, like, my facial hair could come back a bit more and, like, grow in thicker and my body hair. And I'm sure my skin would not be as nice as it is right now. Has your voice changed at all? No. Um, so, for trans women, like, your voice, once, you're, like, your vocal cords are developed, they can't, like, undevelop. So, I saw a voice therapist for like six months of speech language pathologist we worked on developing and feminizing my voice but like trans men that take testosterone their voice will deepen but like it doesn't work the other way around yeah that doesn't seem fair (laughs) no that was not fun like I hated seeing a speech language pathologist I saw her like twice a day twice a week for six months Oh my god, that's that's dedication. Like, got homework and had, like, worksheets to do. Um, Were you just, but, like, in a room talking to yourself for the homework? Yeah, and, like, would have, like, exercises to develop pitch and, like, would read things. It was, I don't know, it was kind of fun. Like, I laugh. was gonna say it sounded exhausting. Myself. Like, I'm glad I got it done. But I probably would not want to do it again. I mean, it um, was it was worth it. You sound great. Yeah, thank so. you. So, wow, that's a lot of stuff. And this whole time you were in California? Yeah, and I was attending school for, like, a while. What were you uh, going to school for? I was going to school to study economics with a minor in statistics. Um, okay, so maybe it sounds like, did your dad have anything to do with that? Um, yeah, that definitely. I was like trying to please my father, which <laughs> did not work out. I am not attending college anymore. I have like two and a half years under my belt, but I was like an anxious mess and like visibly transitioning like being visibly queer in the in the social sciences, economics is like kind of right, right wing as far as right. Mm-hmm. And they had classmates who like slick their hair back like Patrick Bateman in American Psycho. And I was like, oh, you, God. you look like not fun. I'd be like the only one with visible pier- like face piercing piercings. <laughs> um, so I was like, yeah, this isn't for me. Like for a while. I was just, like, taking Xanax to go to class, and I'd just, like, be barred out. I got to class, and, like, not doing that anymore, but I was like, this is not productive. Let's stop this. I'm glad you dropped out when you did. I mean, I I don't know if you know, but I the same thing happened to me. Like, I dropped out of college after two and a half years as well, 
for mm-hmm. many similar reasons. Uh, I ended up going back and finishing at like 27. But yeah, it's really hard once you start on that path to accept that it's not working out because you want to try so hard for it to work because mm-hmm. that's what everyone's doing and that's what's expected of you. Yeah. I'm like so glad that I dropped out as well. I was like bummed out when all my friends are graduated this spring. But I was like, I would not want to work in economics for the rest of my life. Like that would not be fun. For um, real. And if you ever go back to school, it'll be for something you actually care yeah, about. Definitely. So I'm like, I've been looking at a few cosmetology programs um, nice. recently. Because I was like, I can do that for a year. I'm not going to have to take any literature classes. <laughs> um <laughs> And then I can, like, start working, and people will have hair forever, hopefully. So that's, Seriously. Like, something that I can do wherever I am. I just got my hair cut a couple nights ago, and I was talking to the stylist, and my my 18-year-old sister, who's also queer, and she wants to go to cosmetology school, and I've been encouraging her to do that, because, like, I wish I had, you know, been working and mm-hmm. studying a trade when I was her age. She's uh, 19. But yeah, the stylist is just like, yeah, it's very flexible. I get work everywhere. You have to work hard when you start out. Like you might have to apprentice for a while or shadow someone, but it's worth it. And she like a lot of stylists I've talked to, they just love their job. Yeah, I definitely have like talked to a lot who enjoyed it. My therapist was like, yeah, I pay my I pay my hairstylist the same hourly rate that I do for psychotherapy. <laughs> and she I was mean, a lot basically- more debt. They're basically therapists. <laughs> yeah. But what role did your sister play in all this? I'm curious. My like sister was supportive. She didn't really get it. She like wasn't exposed to that a lot. Like very just like girly girl and I don't know studying and like not super like in the queer scene. She's not queer. Um, but. She's, like, been supportive. She's been super supportive. And, like, we got really close living in California. And, like, we're still super close. That's Um, good. You said she was, like, a couple hours away from where you were? Yeah, she's three hours away from me. So I, like, spent a lot of time at her place. Did you have a car? Yeah, I did for a while. I, like, had a car my whole time. I, like, stopped driving um, when I was, like deep into my eating disorder because I didn't want to pass out and like kill anyone which we um, haven't even talked about yet we'll get to yeah that. <laughs> we'll get to that but then I like just took the Amtrak down to go see her and that like worked perfectly and I fell in love with taking Amtrak trains are the best dude yeah. I I miss them a lot I mean buses are great too I I actually enjoy taking the bus to work every day because you don't have to worry about driving you don't have to worry about traffic no you just like listen to music listen to a podcast lately i've been like turning my headphones off and just listening to people it's kind of creepy but (laughs) i'll do that in coffee shops all the time if like hear a good conversation going on so speaking uh, you said your sister is like a girly girl um it made me think like what does femininity mean to you like as a trans woman yeah. Um, and that, that can also segue into the whole eating disorder thing, because I think mm-hmm. the way society views women and that obviously has a lot to do with how eating disorders develop. But I'd, I'd be curious to hear about like the intersection of being trans and like a woman, you know. Yeah. Who? That's a good question. Like, What I... does what does 
being feminine mean to you? Like, how do you express femininity? Um, I asked for a while. I was like, oh, like, this is what, like, I want to do. And I was like, I'll just, like, be like my sister. And, like, so when I, like, first started presenting, I was, like, super high femme. And was like, I want to wear makeup all the time. I want to, like, wear dresses, like, in my hair, like, do my hair and, like, all of that. And, like, as I've slowly, like, grown into, like, being comfortable in my skin, I was, like, this is, like, not, like, I like this sometimes, but it's not, like, what I am. Like, mm-hmm. I want to wear, like, skate clothes and, um, like, very tomboyish. Now, that's, like, not really what the question was. No, I mean, I think it's interesting because, I mean, I I can yeah. imagine that's a common response for trans women who are newly out to just go the opposite spectrum like yeah super femme I mean I can imagine in the trans community there's a lot of pressure I guess to pass and take on more extreme measures to pass but when in reality you know not all women dress super feminine yeah or what you know girly girl whatever but and that's what it was it was like I was like if I like want to pass like I'm just gonna like I take all these steps and do this. But, like, as I, like, pass without any effort, now I'm like, I don't care. I'm going to wear <laughs> my, like, baggy jeans and an oversized skate tee and just, like, do whatever. And, like, I still pass. So, I'm like, okay, this is perfect. Now, um, did you meet other trans friends, like, when you went to California? Or did you know any in high school? No, I, like, didn't know any other trans people in high school. Or even, you were, like, queer friends. Yeah. I, like, hung out with the theater kids. So, like, everyone was kind of out there. <laughs> like, misfits. I hung out with some queer people, but everyone kind of tried to keep it on the down low. Self-preservation. Definitely. I, like, know I got a couple kids suspended for like yelling faggot at me like various slurs so it was like I think we went out to get Chinese food one day and like me and another gay friend had his car keyed (laughs) like when we came back oh my god yeah um it's like it wasn't the best environment but like I got super into the queer community like in California and like going to university it's like, like join like the feminist society, and like the queer student union, and with like, got in with all of those people, and just like started to have a friend group that was like unique and diverse, and wasn't just cis het white Christians. <laughs> it was in Minnesota. You just described my whole family. <laughs> yeah, that's like basically my whole family. So that was so refreshing to have that oh, and, like, I bet. not feel like such not feel like I had to hide everything and like look around my shoulder I still had some anxiety about that but yeah I was gonna ask how long it took you to really start opening up and being who you were without shame or fear it's like a long time and like I honestly still struggle with that today wait you mean um, you're not completely recovered no, I'm not. Well, oh, I don't. I'm cured. I don't think I can interview you anymore. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for your time. Yeah. Thanks for nothing. Well, tell me about that process. 
it was just like being more comfortable and just like willing to be seen I guess and like I still struggle with that in my hometown I still don't feel comfortable like I could walk down the streets in like LA and San Francisco and like not care at all but like I'm back in this small town and I'm hyper vigilant about everything yeah I mean it's like worried I'm gonna run into everyone so that's definitely like changed things but like I haven't changed myself that much I guess like I like was shaving my head for a while um in California like as soon as I knew I was gonna move out I was like okay gotta start growing your hair back again like blend in a bit better it's hard enough going back to your hometown as an adult I can't even imagine what it must be like for you yeah um not my favorite thing but I'm working on it so going back to the whole uh, femininity thing, uh, it kind of led us off topic. Yeah. <laughs> As you dealt with those themes, like how did the eating disorder play into all of it? Okay. Um. So really the eating disorder was like away, like in high school. And I like didn't have access to hormones at the time. So I was like, you know what? If I like don't eat and I restrict... I'm, like, going to be thin. I'm not going to masculinize. And then, like, my hormone system is going to get out of whack, too. So I was like, this is perfect. Like, yay. So that, like, played into it with, like, okay, like, women are skinny. Like, in society, like, women are skinny. So I was like, I guess I can do that. And, like, yeah, like, I won't have tits. But, like, I'll be skinny, I guess. And I'm not going to, like, have big muscles and, like, be a manly man. So I was like, this is something to do. Yeah, it's something you have control over. Yeah, 100%. You know, you're, yeah, you're the second person I've talked to who's trans, who's, that was a big motivator behind their eating disorder. Mm-hmm. It's so common. I've talked to so many trans people with eating disorders, and they're all like, yep, wanted to change my body, and I didn't have hormones, so this was it. It takes so much self-control. Like, I don't think people realize how hard it is to, like, physically change your body to that extent. Like, how Mm -hmm. much self-control it takes. I mean, I'm not advocating for that, obviously, but I I think, (laughs) I mean, I, you know, we all struggle with it. I feel like people don't get it. Yeah. But, you know, just between you and me, it Mm -hmm. just blows my mind. Like, and it's so sad that, it's so prevalent among trans people and no one, I feel like it's not really publicized. Like no one really knows how common that is. No. And like when I was like getting treatment since like my gender identity and like my eating disorder were so interlinked, I was like, I don't know if like y'all can help me. Like I need to see a dietitian who's trans competent. I need to to see a therapist who's trans competent. And, like, now how that goes together. Um, and, like, there aren't many professionals, like, in the U.S. who, like, specialize in both of those things. So how old were you when your eating issues started coming up? Was that around 15 as well? Yeah, like, 16. Okay. 15, 16. So, like, it was then. And uh, I'm assuming you carried it with you to California? Yeah, 100%. And then, 
like California, just like super healthy, like health foods and that like took things to a different level and like living on campus too. So that like all played into it and like things really ramped up in California, I would say. Did what did that look like for you? Um it's like restriction. I was like vegetarian for like a long time, for like three years, which is like the start of my eating disorder. I was like, I can't get vegetarian food in this small town, so I'm just gonna be a vegetarian and like <laughs> not eat. And I was like the same thing on campus. I was like, I can't get vegan food on campus, so I'll just be vegan and spend all my like meal plan on coffee. Solid <laughs> and, plan. Yeah. It's like that played into and it was like everyone was like there's so many vegans and I was like, Oh, this is like totally socially acceptable. Like, yeah, I'm vegan, like let's go to a vegan restaurant. But I always like, wonder like how many vegans I know are like secretly have eating disorders. I don't want to subtweet anyone, but I know plenty. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I I've done that before too. Yeah. You know, it, it is easy. So how old were you? Like, how long did that go on before it started getting really bad? Um, Like, bad enough to warrant treatment? It was, like, six years at that point when I, like, started to get treatment this spring. About, like, six years. Okay, so you were 22? Yeah, I was 22. It was my hair falling out that did it. (laughs) That was it. I was like, okay. But, like, I was, like, trying to, I, that's why I shaved my head. I was, like, if I can't see my hair falling out, I can just ignore it for a while. I just, like, shaved my head at midnight one day. And I was, like, to, like totally recovered. Like, my hair doesn't fall out <laughs> anymore. Like, I can't pay attention to it. What eating disorder. Yeah. Thing to see here. It's, like, things got bad, like, in the fall and the spring. Um. Like, the winter, I guess. We don't have winter in California, though, so I just think of it as spring. Um, And then I was like, okay, like, I might want to see a therapist about this. And I, like, saw a therapist about it. And she was like, you should just, like, you should, like, look into IOP. Like, look into, like, a treatment program because, like, you're not eating enough. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, this therapist with a degree is, like, telling me that I like should get treatment and that I'm just not making this whole thing up and I'm not faking it I was like damn okay validation I I guess I'll give this a try and I was like yeah sick IOP just like a little bit I like went in for an intake and they're like no you should like do a partial partial hospitalization oh my god it's like you're gonna be here every day seven hours a day and you had dropped out of school by then right or no yeah okay I had I dropped out of school it was like basically exactly a year um how had your eating disorder escalated or evolved since you dropped out of school I was like exercising a lot more and just like eating less and it's like staying home and not doing a lot or just like not eating either um just like through from everything okay and like a lot of like exercise like I'll fill my time with like being active now at that point you were on hormones right 
I was. So so at what point did the eating disorder stop being driven by that and start like kind of taking on a life of its own? Um I feel like they're still the, like the very much the same thing. Um like it wasn't as much to like block testosterone, but like I still I like still want to restrict like block my testosterone because I don't trust doctors and like I don't trust the Mayo Clinic. Mm-hmm. Or, it, did um, anything in particular happen to to make you not trust them? Um, as you mentioned, like the gatekeeping and everything earlier, but we didn't really talk about like your own experiences. I like my doctor. I feel like she wasn't very upfront with me. In and, like, what I- way? Just, like, the way that my levels were, she's, like, for the longest time, she's, like, your levels are good. Like, they're okay. They could be better. And I was, like, okay. Like, I'll, I'll go on with this. And then she was, like, then I finally asked. I was, like, well, like, what would good be? And she was, like, three to four times higher. Like, that would be good. And I was, like, honey, like, our <laughs> scales are yeah. way different for the- what's okay and what's good. <laughs> And is this just to clarify? This is for the the trans stuff or the eating disorder stuff? Um, for the trans okay. stuff, for like okay. where my estrogen levels should have been. Man, uh, she was just gonna let you keep going on thinking it was just normal. Yeah, it's and just, meanwhile, it's like affecting the- your life so much. Uh huh. And like, I don't know if the eating disorder was also affecting like my estrogen levels that I was like taking like is affecting those medicines like I don't really know but it wasn't until like I started to like recover that like my levels got good I like switched my dose like switched how I get estrogen I'm like injecting it now which is way better were you taking it orally before yeah I was and I was like uh young person with like a pretty good uh like body and like liver function so a lot of it like wasn't getting processed mm-hmm. but like now my levels are where they should be and how are you doing with your recovery well first of all tell me back up a little bit <laughs> let's, yeah. let's talk about um when you first got into treatment Oof. That, like, wasn't fun. I don't know. I, like, wasn't. I, like, knew I had to do it. But every day I'd wake up and be like, why? Like, why am I doing this? Like, I know I have to, but, like, I don't want to. And, like, I was like, I'm just, like, an adult. Like, I brought myself here. I can just go home. Yeah. I quit anytime. So I was, like, very not into it at all. And I didn't feel like I was, like, getting care in regards to, like, my gender issues and how, like, my eating disorder affects, like, my gender identity and how those interlink. Like, I, I was, like, why am I here if they, like, don't know what's up? Yeah. Were you the only trans person there? Yeah, I was. Okay. One of the therapists thought that cisgender was like cis as in S-I-S, like sister gender. Like, oh my God. Are you serious? Yeah. You I did not just say that. I couldn't make anything that stupid up. No offense to oh that God. therapist. This is someone I, who's been to school for like years and years. 
Yeah, I was like, is this a bit? Like, is, like, what's the punchline to this? So I was like, why am I educating the therapist or supposed to be helping me? And this is in California, right? Yeah. What the fuck? (laughs) It's like, treatment was rough in that regard. I, like, didn't, like, eating a meal plan. That was tough. Like, my dietitian encouraged me to and measure my foods and i was like this is not how like normal people eat like they don't they don't measure things out i like some things worked at treatment like some things got better but i like totally took home numerous more behaviors that like i hadn't even thought about and like my dietitian when we were like review our exchanges because like being obsessed with exchanges is totally different than being obsessed with calories like totally normal to be obsessed over exchanges and calculate those oh my god she whenever i would like eat more than what was on my meal plan she'd be like well you ate more than what was on your meal plan like that's okay but just like just a heads up and it's like why are you telling me this like it's just like, don't say anything. Just like, write it down, make a note. You're just putting you in the spotlight and making you feel even more awkward. Yeah. And uncomfortable. And like, I'm still working with my dietitian on that. And I haven't seen that other dietitian in five months at this point. So how long were you in that treatment um, plan? Like three and a half months. Do you feel like it helped you in the long run? Yeah, it, like, definitely helped me in the long run. And, like, I'm glad I went, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Ringing endorsement. Yeah, ringing endorsement. Like, I'm glad I got help. Yeah, and I'm just impressed that you made yourself go and you didn't give up. Like, you didn't have anyone forcing you to. You just did it because objectively you knew that you needed it. And I don't know a lot of people that could do that. So, good job. (laughs) walked out of some groups and I was like I am like done I can't do this but like I would always show up the next day um like I'm glad I got treatment I'm like finally trying to get my life back on track and like I'm just glad that I got treatment now versus like letting it develop further and like letting it ruin my life any more than it had to so it sounds like you got a pretty good handle on it now. Yeah, I do. Um, do you feel like, like it'll ever, like, do you ever struggle with it still at all? Yeah, I, like, mm, it's, like, most of the thoughts and the behaviors that I still struggle with. And, like, yeah, I would like to be as thin as I was, <laughs> like, this, the beginning of this year. And, like, I have not been happy with the weight that I've gained but, like, I know that if I try to, like, micromanage that, it's going to spiral out of control. And it's, like, not going to get me back into school. It's not going to get me into my own place. Yeah, and it's just, not going to help with your hormone levels either. And now I just accepted that, like, okay, fine. I can't try to, like, cheat this system. So what have you been focusing on instead? I'm just, like, doing something with my life, really. And, like, what is my next step? Like, that's, like, getting back to school. Um, that's you, it. Like, you said back. you're going to try to go back to California? Or are you thinking somewhere um, else? I would like to get back to California, but it's just a bit expensive. Yeah. <laughs> a bit. 
That out-of-state tuition. <laughs> yeah, so, I don't know. I've thought about it. It's all, I've, like, looked into it. And, like, all my friends are in California. I don't really have any friends here still that I still talk to. Yeah, I, I hate that you're so alone right now because it sounded yeah. like you had some really amazing connections there. I did. Have you and been like, able to connect with anyone since coming back? Yeah, I, like, met some people. Like, I'm seeing a girl. I've been, like, seeing a girl for, like, a month now. And, like, oh, yeah? Yeah, that's, like, been good. And, like, I've been meeting all her friends. Like, I haven't made a ton of friends on my own. Hey, friends but, are friends, you know? Yeah, friends are friends. I, like, miss all my skate friends and, like, the skate community that I was in. Like, be... But, like, go on trips, like, up and down the coast and just, like, skate for a weekend. And that was fun. And I really missed that. And it's not, a th- like, as big of a thing in Minnesota at all. Like, California <laughs> was the skateboard mecca. So, it was, like, that's been really tough. But... Yeah, that's a part of your identity now. Mm-hmm. You know, that's... I would say that's a healthy identity to pursue. Yeah. I'd rather just, like, be a skater than a skinny girl <laughs> like that yeah something productive <laughs> so what's next in the immediate future for you I'm like trying to get into my own place I've been working on like reaching out to people and like apartment hunting but I really will like struggle with eating around roommates and like I'm working on that with my therapist and my dietitian and like I just like find these apartments on craigslist and i'm like oh wow look at this kitchen i'm not gonna eat in it and like oh wow look at that fridge like i'm not gonna put food in it yeah so that's like really what i'm working on so i can make sure that i'm gonna eat and like set myself up for a success and not a relapse do you have a support system in your girlfriend yeah, like, she understands, she gets it. She has also, like, suffered from an eating disorder, so she, like, knows. I just, like, don't want her to handle all my emotional baggage. Yeah, I mean, I've, we've, I've never talked about that with anyone on the podcast about dating someone who's also struggled with an eating disorder. Uh, I can't even imagine. I haven't talked to her about hers a lot, because it was, like, more so in the past okay. and not currently affecting her. I guess as uh, long as it's not active, like, as long as you're not triggering each other, like, that could be a really good thing to have some solidarity yeah. and understanding. And, like, that's, I was, like, super nervous about just, like, eating in front of people. Like, that was a thing that I wouldn't like to do. It was, like, I was, like, well, like, if you want to date this girl, like, you're going to have to eat around her. Like, there's no getting around that. Like, if you want to spend time at her house, you might eat breakfast. Like, you might eat dinner. Like, this is how, like people without disordered eating like interact in a relationship yeah it's what people Uh, do and it sucks (laughs) yeah it's like that I was like fine like I guess like I know that I like can't actively be restricting and like see this woman so it's like fine like I guess we'll go out to eat at this restaurant and like it wasn't the end of the world yeah has it gotten easier over time yeah, it has. Like, our first, like, dinner date, I, like, woke up the next morning, and I was like, why did you agree to that? Like, why why would you go eat at this Mexican restaurant just to cancel? 
for like three days. I was like, just like, cancel it, cancel it. And I went and it was fine and it wasn't the end of the world. And like the next day I moved on and I got to spend time with this girl who I care about. That's so wholesome. And so it was like, it was worth it. And like, yeah, it was challenging, but without that, I would just like be alone in bed, like watching weird YouTube videos. <laughs> you just described my life. <laughs> That's so awesome though. I like, I'm so happy that you found that. Yeah. Thank you. Um, in terms of your, your trans journey, all right. What's that been like lately? Are you planning on taking next steps, thinking about any surgeries or anything like that? I'm like kind of thinking about some surgeries. I don't know. I just like have had some like medical trauma and like surgical trauma in my life outside of like this trans sense. Like I'm very sussed out about it. Um, I just like other health issues. Okay. I've had, like, a UTI for, like, seven years now. Oh, <laughs> and, like, fuck. I'm finally seeing a urologist who, like, knows what's up. But I'm, like, very it's anxious. complicated. Any, like, surgery down there would just, like, mess this up. Yeah. Um, so I don't I'm, like, blame trying, you. To, trying to work on this because I would like to empty my bladder. That would kind of be fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just curious, like. Yeah. Do you feel pretty confident in your gender identity these days? Yeah, I feel confident. I feel comfortable. Like, my most of my documents are updated. And I've done it to out myself that much. Um, what advice would you have for kids who might be growing up trans in small towns like you grew up in? You have to live your life. And if that means getting out to like live your life if you can like manage to do it where you are but just like try to find a community and try to find people who are like-minded and that might be in person that might be online that might be driving three hours to go to trans events yeah i mean there's always something that you're never totally alone yeah yeah, the internet has really, like, helped this generation of transitioners and, sure. like, trans people, like, resources that, like, people 15, like, even 10 years ago, like, the amount of resources that I, like, saw when I was, like, starting to look into this online versus what's out there now, there's so much. Like, I, I'm kind of almost jealous of the younger people these days, how educated they are and how progressive they are. I, I do think we are moving forward slowly. And it, it does suck that, you know, there do still exist kids who, you know, call people slurs and key people's cars for being queer. You know, like, that's not okay. And I don't know what to do about that, you know. Mm-hmm. except just keep spreading acceptance and education and it's like you can't live life under that fear like that's not gonna be fun it's so cool that you're just like you are young but you have been through so much and you're already like you know how to take care of yourself you know what you need to do even if you don't yeah. feel like doing it Mm-hmm. Like you have a good head on your shoulders, and I definitely see that come through, like in our interactions so far. 
Thank um, you. You're just really fucking cool. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know if you know the artist Daniel Johnston. Daniel um, Johnston? It's like a music artist, but there's the song Walking the Cow. Uh, I like became obsessed with in treatment and like it's like a metaphor for responsibility and like I don't know why I have to walk this cow, but like I I have to walk this cow and like every day when I don't want to do things, like it's like okay, like this cow has to be walked, you have to eat, you have to get out of bed, you have to shower, and that's really like then something I've been obsessed with this year. So like, okay, like gotta keep, keep walking the cow. I'm looking up the lyrics now. This one line like jumps out at me. Tried to point my finger, but the wind was blowing me around in circles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if that isn't a metaphor for adulthood, I don't know what else is. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Walking the cow. That's so accurate because, like, it's it's like a wholesome thing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> walking like, the cow. Lyrics are like, I don't know what I'm doing here, but I'm walking but the cow. Oh, that's cute. That's going to be the name of the episode. Okay. Everyone's going to be like, what the fuck? (laughs) And they have to listen to the end to find out what it means. Yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for doing this. What are you doing for the rest of the week? I have some appointments to do. But, like, also nothing. I don't know. That's for next week. I, like, have to go to the dentist and get some new glasses. Oh, man. Well, you have a great rest of your night. Thank you. I will. Same with you. Yeah, stay warm. And I'll try to do the same. Winter is coming. Hang in there. I will. (laughs) Goodbye. Bye.